Now, originally, this episode was supposed to be about Scarface and the Godfather, but we got an offer that we couldn't refuse. That was smooth. That was smooth. You were planning that ahead of time. No, actually, I just I just came up with it right now. Dang, that was because I'm that nice. Right, Diablo Pablo. I mean AJ. Yes. <laughs> For those of you who are a little confused by that, um, when I jumped on to the uh, to the cross gen meeting here over Zencaster, you can choose your you can type in what your name is as it's presented to other people. And I don't know. I guess in the spirit of because I've been doing Diablo three recently. And I've made a new character, Diablo Pablo. I don't know. I just decided to roll with that when I rolled in here. Is that is that half Diablo three and half Narcos? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I really just did it because it rhymed. But now that you think, now that you say that, AJ oh God, the, I don't even want to think of that. Oh my God, God. he's the Pablo Escobar of oh Diablo three. <laughs> So in, instead of hippopotamuses, what are you? What are you? What are you getting over there? Uh, just black market imports of axes. What the hell? The that sounds about trade. right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Axe trade. Axe trade. Andre Diablo Pablo. He's the lo- Pablo Escobar of Diablo like, Three, involved in axe trafficking. Oh my god, he's level seventy right now. He, is? he surpassed us. Oh wow! Okay. But I don't know if he does yeah. more damage than you because your your character is like My way too old. Ragnar. Even if I was level seventy, I wouldn't even do as much damage as. Let me just ask you this question: tank. Can tank. your character summon a meteor? Uh, no, but his character no, can also a, summon. <laughs> yeah, but eventually I'll, I'll be able to summon a volcano. Yeah. With earthquakes, so and maybe I can't summon a meteor, but past. I think at level seventy, uh, right? I can summon yeah. ghosts of the past too. You have ghosts of the past. Well, so do I. Multiple ghosts of the past. I, yeah, I like have four. the and I got three. Suicide. I got three oh my god, you guys the don't even know. Blue faces. You guys don't even know. There was a an equipment item that I had. It was a it was a two handed axe. On chance to hit. There would be a chance that it would spawn in four cows, not minotaurs, literal cows, cows. with hooves on both on on all legs. They would be standing upright, like on two legs, and they would be carrying like a like a like a pike, what and they would the fight heck? for me. <laughs> What are you? What? <laughs> what the heck? What? That is the power of Diablo Pablo. <laughs> what the hell? Oh my god! It's horrible. Right. That's Sound what check. I'm trafficking. Cows. Oh, yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah, we're we're god. still in the sound check, which is crazy. Oh, god. That's horrible. All right, sound check done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first new episode of 2022. Is Pablo high? I don't know. What the hell? 
What, this is, what, this, the, what are you talking about, Pablo? Hi, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How's let, he let, summoning cows? Hold on, hold on, Why hold would he summon? Hold on, hold on, okay, hold on. Okay, okay, hold on. Let, let, let's let everybody know who we are after that super long, <laughs> yeah. super, super long yeah. uh, sound check. But we are the Cross Gen Podcast. I am Walt, and I'm joined by my other Cross Geners, my Cross Gen Xers, my whatever, um, AJ and Eli. And yes, we were talking about Diablo 3 in our super long um, sound check. And AJ's character of. Now, AJ always does crazy things with video games, does he not? (laughs) Whether it's trying to infiltrate an army base in Grand Theft Auto 4, 4, right? 5, right? And and dying horribly, <laughs> and all the horrible. the evil things that he does in that game, right? And now he's he's created a brand new drug trafficking, axe throwing, cow cow summoning character in Diablo Three. That's a character called Diablo Pablo. That's <laughs> I mean, well, sad thing is I can't actually summon the cows anymore because I got a much better weapon. But what does that summon? What? What's no, it doesn't summon summoning cows. Oh, it doesn't summon anything. So what? Does it, it just do? does massive damage. Oh, that's sad. Like no, it no. eclipsed the damage that that weapon that summoned cows did. No, there's there's no weapon greater than summoning cows. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Uh, especially Why with would you use especially that? with hooves and pikes. That's garbage. Like Why how did their I'm still trying to process how their hooves even gripped the pikes cuz they held them like this. But they're Wait, just hooves. <laughs> Wait, they're standing on their their two their two hind legs? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. You need to take a screenshot of that because we have to show it to our audience. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like. see if I can find a photo online. I'm, I'm so upset that I actually didn't uh, take a photo no, of it when I didn't but, have it. But they, when I had they, it. they need to have the full experience. It can't be just an online picture. It has to be the cows hanging out with Diablo Pablo. I don't have it anymore. I melted it down. Oh my god. Melt that what? down. <laughs> what? That oh is my god. Diablo acts. In order what, what to reach the greatest heights achievable, Diablo Pablo will sacrifice whatever is necessary for the crusade. And yes, that's right. He's a crusader. <laughs> oh, he's a, oh yeah, he's a cru- Diablo's axe wielding cow dimension ex- What? What? It's a, there's a whole entire dimension. That's dimension of axe wielding cows, a pike wielding cows. What? what look at that. Wait, look at this. Oh my god! Apparently, there's a history behind it. Oh, okay. <laughs> They've had it in other in other iterations of Diablo. Oh, okay. So then. <laughs> I see. Disgusting. It's, it's just it's just Diablo Bovine Pablo Barbie. has has wielded that power to a level never before seen in the Diablo universe. 
What the hell? Bobby Beach is a legendary polearm that can be found in. Oh, oh yeah, Reaper of Souls is five. Right? I mean, no, that's the new one. Yeah. Okay. Ah, oh, but whatever. Why are right. we talking about cows with anyway. pikes? Well, uh, because they are legendary. Oh my god! Yeah. And they were legendary in combat. They really were. <laughs> God. That almost puts my my <laughs> my uh, flayed goblin to shame. Oh, oh, oh wait. God. you just remind me of your stupid suicide bomber <laughs> goblins. Okay. That's the actual sound they make. Yeah. <laughs> oh, our viewers are so confused. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, we should really get on to the main topic now. Yeah. This has gone on long enough. Yes, Diablo yeah. Pablo. So, um, b- before we continue, I will all uh, I would like to invite everyone. If you're not doing so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Cross Gen Podcast, and please tell all your friends about your favorite little podcast here. Um, and on that note, we're going from one satirical instance of cows holding pikes to another and our main topic today we're going to be talking about the latest netflix sensation right um the one that has broken all kinds of netflix netflix records not only here in the states but around the world and that is adam mckay's don't look up so that's way over the top yeah, this 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 uh this film came out over the Christmas break and um it has has really really I mean taken the world by storm. And it's funny because if you look at the Rotten Tomato reviews, it sits at 55%, which is not great. You know, that means that roughly about half the people, half the reviewers, the critical the critics, right? liked it and half of them didn't um and a lot of the criticisms that is that you know the film is very heavy-handed in its message you know it's not as comedic as they would like it and stuff but you know what people people have kind of taken the opposite direction to this because it was a pretty funny movie i don't know what they're talking about (laughs) no it's just um Political. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to say that. And, and it's, but like I said, the the response to the critics is not really matching the response to the actual viewers because this thing in the week of December 27th through January 2nd, which is the week that it, it opened up or you know got released in on Netflix, um, it was watched globally by a bunch of people the amount so they 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 kind of track this through viewing hours 152.29 million hours of people watching don't look up that is the most viewing hours for a movie in a single week in netflix's history wow okay um within the first 28 days which um it still hasn't even reached it's already the third most watched film behind Bird Box, which we saw, and Red Notice, which we also saw. That's the one with uh, Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. 
right? Yep. Uh, Bird Box being the one with, um, <clears throat> I forgot what her name is. Well, anyway, that's the uh, post-apocalyptic thing where yeah. you can't look at the things or they'll kill you, right? Um, and I believe as of this recording, it's gone to 263 million hours watched. So this is, this wow. is, that's a lot. you know, yeah, this is really a, uh, it could top red notice. Yeah. I listen at this pace. It will probably top both films and become the most watched film ever on Netflix. Mm. So, you know. Even Adam McKay, the director, he tweeted that he was straight up flabbergasted by the numbers that the films was was receiving. So um, it's 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 something that you know, good on them, right, for for getting to where they are. Yeah. Um. So l- let's talk a little bit about what "Don't Look Up" is, and you know. The the movie starts Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is in it. Um, you have Meryl Streep, who plays the president of this fictional, of this movie. You have a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this, yeah, you know. Mark Mark Rylance plays the Steve Jobs ish type character. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hill is the president's son. Yeah, he plays also him the very chief well. of staff. He he kind of plays so. Let's get into what the actual movie is kind of about because it's a it's a very interesting premise. Um, Don't look up is a satirical movie. Obviously, it's a disaster movie, um, and it's also a metaphor on the crisis of climate change. Right. So in the movie. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's character, uh, she discovers a comet hurtling toward the Earth. And, you know, very, very quickly, with the help of her mentor, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, they realize, yeah, Dr. Mindy, um, they realize that not only is this a huge comet, but it's directly on a path to strike the Earth. And then... From that point on, things get out of hand because they go, they go and they try and talk to the president. The president is very much a character caricature of the former 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hell being a caricature of his son, Donald J. Trump, and probably also um, the the other. The son-in-law, right? What's his name? Kushner, I think is his name. David Kushner? Yeah, him. You know? And so, predictably, if we know how that, if that's who they're portraying, you can predictably know where this thing is coming from and and what's going to happen next, especially given the fact that the character is coming up to a midterm election cycle. Right. So everything becomes political um, and it goes on from there. And, you know, it it becomes really an allegory of our times now with disinformation and, you know, disbelief and not trusting science and not listening to, you know, um, 
experts in the fields and rather listening to politicians or billionaires or celebrities, right? All of all everything that's kind of happening now. And it's funny because this movie was actually um made before the pandemic. Right. So this this was written by Adam McKay, who also directed the film. And this was kind of a thing that he had, you know, kind of cu- cooking around. You know, a lot of the times directors and filmmakers, they have ideas that sit in their heads for years. And, you know, eventually they get them out on paper and, you know, things get done if the studio likes it and stuff. So, you know, he had this idea for years. Um, and in 2019, before any of the pandemic had happened he actually wrote the script now the funny thing is this was supposed to be about climate change and you know he was very very um he really wanted to make the film but he didn't know how to make it until he spoke to another friend of his who is either a reporter or a a scientist in that field and he was like you know what it's basically like a comet is coming down on Earth and, you know, nobody does anything about it. And that's where the whole comet thing came into play. <laughs> so, um, but the interesting thing is that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the criticisms by the thing is like, you know, this is not a proper metaphor for climate change, the whole comet thing. But what has happened in the interim is we've had a pandemic happen to us globally, you know, and. 2020 it started in 2019 but we really didn't start to see the effects into early 2020 like around february march that's when people really on a mass level started to get worried about the pandemic and yes he made some changes to the script along the way but you know it's funny because we watch the film now and even though the film is supposed to be about climate change, it really, really yeah. does feel like it was written about the pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Of course. Like from <laughs> there, don't look up. There is no comment to the co- uh, the uh, the not, well the <clears throat> oh my god, I don't know what to, my voice is giving out. The uh, the virus is a hoax. There's that very clear parallel there. It's just the flu, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just like this complete unwillingness to actually face the problem and not profit off of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. I mean, this film really, really does feel like it was written about the pandemic. And it's funny because... Adam McKay, when he when he started when they started production, he was making changes, and he was like, you know what, let's make this fifteen percent more crazier, you know, and and it shows up on the film, you know. There's there's a lot of really really cringy moments, right? And it, it, you know, in terms of what the characters do, oh, you know, yeah. not cringy moments in terms of the film itself, but you know the the actions that some of these characters <laughs> take. Oh God. <laughs> they were literally this is, uh spoilers anyone for anyone who's gonna watch it uh pause the podcast go watch it come back all right spoiler curtain is down here we go or up here we go they literally were sending nukes up to destroy the thing everything was going 
perfectly with that plan. Until all of a sudden, these things start disarming and stopping. And, and falling out of the one, sky, right? Yeah. And they're wondering, well, why did we stop? Everything was going perfectly. But big tech, quote unquote, had to come in and say, well, you know, the asteroid's a gold mine. Maybe we should farm it. <laughs> oh, my God. So they, liter- they literally oh. stopped their best chance to get rid of this thing. All because just oh, conflicting interests. Oh, geez. It was, like, so terrible. Like, why would you actually gamble with something like that? <laughs> I think I think it speaks to the climate that we're in in terms of the one percenters, right? That that really, you know, the one percenters really are the ones that are driving things and they do things in the best interest of themselves as opposed to the general public, you know, and and things like that. So there is there is that that, you know, is the underlying theme over here. And and you know, it's it's funny because <clears throat> you you watch this film and it's supposed to be a comedy and it's supposed to be a satire but i i found myself watching the film and it's like oh well that happened oh yeah that's going on oh yeah that's real oh yeah that works it, the sad part about it is that as satirical as the film is supposed to be it feels very much like it's real life Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is it the does. really scary thing about it, you know, because like you said, at at the very beginning. So just, you know, we're going to get into plot points and or Andre has already said that, you know, spoiler curtain is is officially down and we've ripped it off the the the, the poles and stuff like that. Um, There are several instances where the main characters, the two scientists here they're literally begging people to listen to what they said. And and the very first instance you see is when they go on to the show that's hosted by um, the actors, you know, the actors Kate Blanchett and Tyler, uh, Perry. Tyler Perry. Their characters, their anchors on this news program called The Daily Rip. And the very first instance where we see it, you know, in the public eye because they were not listened to by the president, right? Um, they go on this thing and they're literally telling the anchors a comet's going to hit, everybody's going to die. And the anchors are just kind of making fun and playing it light and stuff like that to the point where Jennifer Lawrence's character had to literally lose it scream into the into the the camera you are all going to a hundred percent effing die and the very next the very next couple of hours she becomes a meme on the internet right yeah which is literally something that would happen nowadays right she <laughs> and and the whole thing is like they don't listen they're not listening to us and the only time that the president in this fictional movie decides this is a good thing, this is something we need to act on, 
is because there's that side that side angle, that side story where she's trying to push a Supreme Court nomination or some kind of nomination. And it just and, blows up into an absolute scandal. <laughs> right. And so the way to deflect the scandal is, oh, we've got to work on solving this comet problem. <laughs> which which yeah. again feels like something that would happen nowadays, right? Yeah. So the whole thing is is really, really um it's really on point on on the times that we're living in. You know, it, everything is social media. Everything is, you know, like like they said, Ariana Grande's in this film, and she's going through a very public breakout, very very akin to her own breakup with Pete Davidson. And the metrics are that her her story is more important than the world ending because of a comet hit. Like it that that story doesn't even rate compared to them you know so it, it's it's a sad take on our society as a whole right now you know um what what did you guys think of the film in general as a film itself like you know aside from the 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 point that it was trying to make the theme the message of the the movie what do you, what do you guys think of the movie as a whole by itself i mean See, the whole climate, here's something I'm still trying to wonder. How is that supposed to show climate change? Well, that was the original concept. Yeah, I I know. That changed. No, no, it didn't. No, it never changed. No, it's still about climate change. Oh, yeah, because of the whole scientist thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So so the whole thing about climate change is that... Again, yeah, okay. people don't believe it. It's and a weird so, metaphor. And, and climate change is such an abstract thing that, and this, this is why he used the comet because the comet is very in your face, right? Yeah. You, there's no way you can get around seeing a comet and blowing everything up, you know? Um, and so, it, climate change, however, is very abstract. You know, it's it's like you know, this is something that happens not very quickly over the span of you know, years, decades, things of that nature. But he wanted to show something very, very, you know, in your face, right up front. The threat is real, immediate. And that's why he chose the comet. But the the struggles of the scientists, the climate change scientists, in getting the world in general to buy into this thing, that's really kind of what the movie was about, you know. That's weird. It's a weird metaphor, but um, and I th- I think that's why a lot of people, especially the critics, they they're kind of like, I don't get it, you know. I mean, but putting that I aside, mean, the point is, I think if you really want to liken the two, we can because the whole the whole thing is we can do something about climate change, and yeah. we choose not to. But right. whether or not we choose not to do do anything or don't, it's still gonna happen. And the same yep. thing applies to the comet. It's this thing <coughs> that is in the world. It is going to happen. But you can do something about it. And depending on what you do about it will perhaps mitigate some of the damage that's going to eventually occur. Because it's still a force of nature. You, you can't, you know. Yeah. You but... can't, like... Like, you can mitigate it you can't completely like whoosh it away 
Okay. Yeah. So in that respect, I can see the analogy. And then, of course, again, with, like, the scientists, they're trying to get the point across. No one's listening. Still a very weird analogy for um, climate change. But, I mean, like I said, putting that aside, um, overall, like, the movie was, obviously, it was like a mirror of, of, you know, of how things are today. You know, we have the, (laughs) the 45th president, right? Forty hmm? fifth, yeah, forty five. Uh, Trump. Uh, so, I mean, it was funny to watch mainly because you know how over the top it is. But then when you really look back at it, you know it's really just the things that are going on today. I mean, you could literally, for each and every single thing that happened in the movie, you can literally compare that to what uh, to the things that have happened today. Yeah, so, and and just to your point. Um, Exactly what you're saying. Neil deGrasse Tyson said the exact same thing in a t- in a t- in a tweet because he was like, "I know the news cycles. I know what's going on, and the more I read about it and the more I watch the movie, I understand this film as being a documentary, yeah, as opposed to a, a comedy. Comedy, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly the point that you're trying to make. Damn. You know? Damn. What the frick? You got bro? Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson on oh, your side. Oh God. You know. No, but that was like insane, bro. What the frick? But that's a documentary. The, but that makes the most sense, right? Yeah. Because it it, like it's like you said, every single thing that happens in the film, you can point to a real life counterpart and say, "Look, this is exactly happening." So this you're absolutely happened. right. And it's, uh, I see. I don't know how to feel about this because you know it's it's really funny when you're watching it. It's still very funny. After you watch it, because that's how good it was, really. Um, I mean, speaking for a movie, I'm going to say it's really good. And it's very comedic, okay? But, like, when you put that into, like, context, it's a little bit more, you know. It's terrifying. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It is. In a, in a sense, right? Because, yeah. you know. No, not in a sense, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, it feels like, you know, it's it's a real it's not only a commentary on the politics of things, but it, it's a, a a commentary on our greater society as a whole, because um, there are two concepts that that I'm aware of that uh, kind of inform, you know, what's going on in the world and, you know, one of them is it, it sounds like it's a political thing, but it's really not. It's actually more of a of a financial um, concept. But that's that's the the term conservatism bias, right? Mm-hmm. And and what that is, it's that that's a, it's what that phrase and that term is. It describes a process where people, you know, they they have a way of thinking and they're so they're so um what's the word i'm looking for they're so ingrained in their way of thinking that it comes at the expense of new information that is very important but because they're so stuck in their in their ways they choose to ignore yeah right yeah they're yeah. deeply entrenched 
Yeah. They're ingrained in, in this thought process. And so it makes it very difficult for people to change the way they do things because of the fact that, you know, this is what I've known all this time. Yes, there's new information that's coming, but I'm still going to hold on to this this whole, you know, concept that I have, right? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is that there, there's also a concept, and this is more like a, a, a medical type of thing, right? Um, it's called, and let me see if I could find that because I did have that here. <sighs> it's anxious avoidance. And, and this is more of a medical term, right? Where, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're suppressing your feelings, right? This is a way, yeah. This is a way that you protect yourself from from really harsh truths. And in this film, what's the harsh truth? Right? A comet is going to destroy the entire planet, and And so mental health professionals look at this film and they say, "Well, that's anxious avoidance." You know, Mm -hmm. you you have a population. You know, aside from the people that have that conservatism bias, right? You have another section of people who, you know, the truth is so disturbing and so huge that they they can't concept that fact. And so what do they do? You kind of avoid it, right? It's mm-hmm. like a it's like a a mental way of of kind of shutting out all these negative feelings and stuff. Yeah. And that's a really a, a very true thing that happens, you know. Yeah. And and so in this film, you're hitting both sides of that, you know. You have you have the people that are like, well, you know what, like the president, eh, you know, the perfect line when Jonah Hill's character, you know, um, the Orlean, whatever, he's like, well, you know, it's a hundred percent. The the president is like, well, you can't you can't tell people that they're gonna hundred percent die, and then um, the other character, the head of the NASA, the NASA. Um, that that weird that weird um, section the head of the government. Of NASA. No, no, he wasn't the head of NASA. He was the head of something else, right? It was like a disaster, something or other. Oh, the the Department of Orbital. I, yeah, I don't know. some something like that. It has to he, do with protection against stuff from outer space, right? So you know, after after the president makes that comment, well, you can't tell a hundred percent of the people that they're going to die. He's like, well, it's really more like ninety eight point seven seventy six percent. And then the the son goes, well, then there's a chance it's not going to happen. It's not one hundred percent. Yeah, it's not one hundred percent. And then the 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 president's like, well, let's just say it's seventy percent and move on from that. Yeah, you know. So. It is. It is what it is. Um. So. Yeah. So so you have that you have that going on. So in the movie, there's a lot of denial going on, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and it gets to the point where it, like AJ said, that the scientists actually come up with a plan, and it's hijacked by the one percenters. Yeah. By uh, what's his name? The. The guy Bash, that, Bash Life. Yes, uh, oh I forgot God. what his name is. Dude, that actor was like props to him because on God, that was like some different level of acting trying to impersonate like Steve Jobs. Yeah, and- so the the actor's name is my Mark Rylance, and uh he plays Peter Isherwell. 
Or it sure will. It sure will. Or if you remember in that whole Apple-esque type yeah, presentation. Yeah, they had the presentation Sir there. Peter Ishowell, <laughs> please make sure oh. not to make direct contact, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eye contact. Yeah. You know. So, damn. I mean, he, he hijacked the whole plan and, you know, that's, that's um, to go to your point uh, way back when, Andre. Uh, right. They were going to send, what's his name? The the dude because... <laughs> oh, Ron Perlman's character. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was terrible. Yeah. Like, he, great actor. No, don't don't get me wrong, but just... Bened- Benedict he, Drask. Yeah, the character he played was absolutely just a piece of crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it wasn't that he was a piece of crap. He, w- he was the, the consummate soldier that he'd do whatever he, he would for the country. No, but... He- but it was very. It was explained very early on. You don't need him there because we can remote yeah. everything. And they were like, "Well, the country needs a hero, so we're going to sacrifice him so that we have a figurehead for his heroness." Yeah. He literally was being sent to die for no reason other than optics, oh right? God. Because they they established no, but- early on. We don't need people on this thing. But he we also can do was this remote control. Just he also his, was a piece of crap. Well, yeah, his he was whole monologue was a, a going yeah. up the, <laughs> going into the atmosphere was just like, oh my god! The Ugh. things he said on his way up, it's like, it's like he deserved it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but you know, but whatever, he didn't whatever. die. Yeah, that's the sad thing. Well, he but, did eventually, but well, but, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll but, get into that a little bit later. But <laughs> but Peter Isherwell, you know, he being the douchebag that he is, he decided, oh, we have a better plan now. Even though this one was actually gonna work, let's push our luck and decide to hijack the mission and do our own with the ninety nine percent chance that we're gonna die. But not like, peer, not peer reviewed. Not peer reviewed. Right? Yeah, because all of the technology and like the plan they were going to use was in the highest, highly experimental and purely theoretical. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh god. But I think the the biggest thing, right, was that when they decided to hijack the mission, they didn't even they didn't even get the scientists involved, right? Well, they did. Like it was purely at first. a surprise. Oh yeah, that that was purely a surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like oh. That was, oh my god, it was it was horrible because their their whole mission was that you know there were like minerals in in the um in the rare meteor earth, rare earth rare minerals. earth minerals yeah. and but I mean, which is like a true bones. thing by the way yeah that I mean works. it's true yeah it's there is a true. shortage of that now. So. Yeah, but again, you're talking about a planet killer, so it's not necessarily the the it's not re- necessarily worth the risk. So I mean, not he had to a Peter really Israel, it wasn't not yeah. I mean, <laughs> he had a pretty swanky presentation. Oh. I will not lie though. I mean, like he had the whole thing with like. The but that's all it ever was gonna be. Yeah, it was just a swanky presentation. <laughs> that was it. That's it. There was nothing else to it. And and that was really the beginning of the minimizing. Well, it, it had started earlier, but that was really the beginning of the minimizing of science in the film. You know, I mean, that was always that underlying theme. But then once Ishuel got got involved with his plan, um, it basically became 2020 with. 
Trump and and the fight with uh, Dr. Fauci and and you know the general scientists and bringing in fringe scientists to talk about COVID. That's what Ishoel became because now he brought in his people that said, "Well, you know what." It may not be peer-reviewed, but we're scientists and we've checked it out. And, you know, we're on Peter Ishawell's, uh payroll. S- payroll, but, you know, we're still scientists and we can figure this out without anybody else looking at it. So, yeah. you know, it was it was a very interesting side-by-side comparison of both the response in the United States to COVID and what was going on with the comet in the film, right? Yeah. And, you know, from there, but things just got worse from there at that point. You know, I mean, uh, (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence's character, Dr. DiBiaschi, which the comet was named for incidentally. Right. (laughs) Um, And and that was kind of like the running joke. Oh, DiBiaschi is going to kill you. (laughs) Right. Oh, God. When she went on that talk show and like. It was like uh, the Fox parody crew, and it's like, well, answer the question. Answer what question? You haven't answered the question yet. You haven't even asked me the question yet. Well, that's precisely the question now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. God. And you know, that that character is a stand-in for Sean Hannity. Um, and, and there was, especially at the very end, with the, the logo that they had up on the screen behind them, was very much a very similar logo to Sean Hannity's. So it, it was clear that he was kind of like a stand-in for Sean Hannity in this picture. Yeah. Um, but it, like I said, it, it just got worse and worse from there. And we get to the very, very end where the mission is supposed to finally happen. Um, the oh, scientists... don't forget, don't look up. Oh, well, yeah, there was that. But no, that happened afterwards, yeah. right? No. So first it was the look up movement. Right, because you could finally see it in the sky, but then the president and her office shot back with the "Don't Look Up" campaign, and that that happened after the disaster, right? Of of Israel wasn't wasn't it happened? The "Don't Look Up" Mm -hmm. campaign started happening afterwards. No, well, after Israel hijacked the thing, yes. No, let me. Wasn't it that the lookup campaign was started first by the scientists? Yes. No. Right. Well, yeah. yes, that that and, was. And then, um, you had Ishawel. Then you had, then you had, the very first instances of the comet, but it wasn't that visible to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, the right? comet was always. And I think the "Don't Look Up" campaign started when the disaster happened and they were trying to kind of deflect from that and say, well, you know what? This is a hoax, but that blew up very quickly in their face because then you had, there was no way you can, you can escape what was in the sky. Right. And you had that, that political rally where Jonah Hill was getting stuff thrown at. Well, that was at like the complete end. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, we had the Ishuel disaster. So let's talk a little bit about that. That their whole plan was what again? <laughs> so here's what they wanted to do. They wanted to send up these highly experimental, like um, never tested drones, before, never tested before drones, probably based on data. this plan, based on data. 
And what these things were going to do is that they were going to attach to the meteor and send these little, like, I don't know, super fancy bombs that were supposed to break the meteor apart from the inside. And it would be, they would basically calculate it so that most of the pieces would fall into the ocean. And wasn't something of that. And wasn't the drone supposed to fly like the bigger pieces in or whatever? They were supposed to stay attached and then kind of do a guided descent for some of them. Wait, they were? Yeah, I think that was part of the plan. Oh, wow. Okay. So so it it wasn't even just to break it up and stuff. It was was to break it up in a fashion that it it created manageable pieces of the comic so that the drones that were still attached to it could guide it to a very specific place that was deemed safe by Ishuel and his group. Yeah. You know? Wow. <laughs> so basically just a bunch of BS. <laughs> now so let's move on. The difference, be- the difference between the two launches, right, is that the one done by the scientists was a perfect launch, right? Perfect Like, launch. they lost not a single rocket. Uh, contrast that to the Ishuel launch where they lost, what, four on they a lynch, lost initial launch, like two or three on a maybe even four on initial launch. Yeah, and then as they were when the robots got stuck onto the uh, onto the meteor, they lost like another like six of them or whatever or four. Yeah, it, it was very very. He, he never mentioned the threshold of what was needed, uh, and anything below that would fail. But it was clear that you could see it in his face that once they started losing drones on the on the comet, um, the whole plan was screwed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so the de- detonation went off, but it didn't go to plan. Nothing. Nothing really happened. Like, did it break off into littler pieces, but not what he was looking for? I, I can't remember that part. The but, media remained relatively yeah. unscathed. Yeah, so maybe like, just a couple of pieces broke off of it, right? Yeah. Not in any substantial way, no. Right, yeah. exactly. And um, that led to one of the most cringy scenes probably in in the entire movie, right? Because you have Ishuel, the president, and her son it, basically in in, you know, the the space command center the com- space command center and at the point that the thing didn't detonate properly Ishuel was like you know i i've got to go to the bathroom i've i'm i'm going to be right back <laughs> right oh and then he leaves and then the president has the realization that he's probably not coming back because he realizes that the mission has failed and she walks out saying, you know what? I'm going to go look for him. We're going to talk. And then other chaos happens within the command center where everybody then has the realization after that that we're all screwed. Yeah. And you have Jason Hill's oh, ca- yeah. character, Jonah, Hill. Jonah Hill's character, saying, wait, everybody. She's, she's going to come back. She's, and she even said she was going to come back. She sat him down and she said, no, look, everything's going to be fine. You don't need to come with me. Just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> he never comes back. <laughs> and and the implication is that he stays there for the rest of the movie waiting for her to come back. 
that is terrible. Which, which in an after credit scene, which which pays off the whole thing, right? <laughs> But we'll get into that in, in a little bit. So they leave, but they have a plan. Apparently. Because a backup plan. Because one percenters, yeah, one percenters have, have the ability to have backup plans when disasters like this strike. Um, Ishua, has, Ishua has created a, a rocket that would take them to the nearest Earth-like planet. Oh, you you should right. Right, while they're at the um, you know the space launch program. Well, no, even before that, because apparently uh, Peter Isherwell has like this thing where he can calculate what deaths oh, yes. they're gonna have, and you know, oh yeah, as there like was... a this as yeah as like a this he just told what's his name uh, Doctor Mindy, Mindy that he was gonna die alone. Um, but, but he was for wrong. Um, yeah, for um for what's her name, President Orlean. She wanted to know what she would die of, and he literally just said, "You're gonna die of a bronze rock." <laughs> and she's like, "What, what the, the heck is, is that? that?" Yeah, that pays off later. So yeah, so um, <laughs> in a, oh in a very very satisfying way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we get to the end of the film, and um, it's clear that. We're not going to have a happy ending to this film, which I, I kind of appreciated because you know what, we've seen too many too many films that kind of take serious issues like this and kind of find a way to tie it up pretty with a bow. Yeah, I was expecting it to because yeah. that's how it usually goes. And, and I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't because yeah. I I think it reinforces the entire theme of of the movie is that you know what people on a whole need to change the way that they think and people on a whole need to change the way the manner in which they consume information and who they get their information from right don't push your luck right and and so you know we get that very very heart-wrenching end scene at the very end where um dr mindy is is kind of trying to um, re- rebuild and fix the relationship he has with his wife and his kids, which, you know, uh, that was a l- another little side plot where he gets involved with a Fox oh, News type reporter, uh, you know, and stuff. But <clears throat> anyway, and they have that scene at the very end with at the table, right, where they're just, it's clear that, you know, the comet is here. And at that point, the comet had already touched down, didn't it? Well, it was happening yeah. concurrently. Right. With uh, the launch, the dinner table scene. Right. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're around the dinner table, and literally the house is shaking because the impact has, has already occurred, and, you know, the, the seismic wave that's going to really destroy the entire Earth is kind of making its way around the globe. And... It's. I, I don't know, man. It, it, that was that was a tough scene to take because there they are and they're all together, and they know that they're they're going to die within minutes, if not seconds, and they're struggling to have, just like a normal conversation, right? Well, I would say the opposite. I'd say that they just accept it. And no, I know, but like as a viewer, as watching that scene, but, it was tough, right? Oh yeah. Because you know that they're going to die, 
you know, and and they're they're really really trying hard to just have a normal dinner, right? Just you know, they it, it's hard to ignore the fact that the whole entire house was shaking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, and yeah. and it was really really a, a heartbreaking um, scene and stuff. And uh, we eventually got the end of the world. Yeah, they, everybody. Well, <laughs> except for <Nah>. those <laughs> freaking ste- uh those freaking Elon Musk types at the very, very top. It's only one person at the end of the world. <laughs> no, no, okay. So uh, talk about talk about the rocket ship first. Yeah, yeah, let's go to the rocket ship. Um. Okay, so it, they're in a cryo chamber. It's probably been like twenty. No. no, it's like yeah, it's 20, been twenty two thousand years or something 22, like that. Yeah, and they they've clearly um passed like through a bunch of places and make it to this planet, and you know everybody gets out, and it's actually a beautiful place. I'm not even gonna lie; it's like a yeah, it's actually no man's sky. Sort he, of. He world. he actually did find a a proper place to restart humanity. <laughs> except (laughs) yeah so basically what happens is as they're stepping out um i don't remember what she said before the whole thing happened but well i i think the the consensus was that they were they were happy oh right yeah everybody and it was it was almost like an adam and eve type of scene right oh Yeah. yeah And I think that's what they were going for, where, you know, everybody was, you know, no clothes and they're walking out into this beautiful garden and stuff like that. Except. Oh, God. Except. There was some very alien looking creatures that happened to. Yeah. Alien raptors. They kind of like walk up to one of them. The first of them walks up to the president and she's like, oh, this looks kind of nice. Maybe, I don't know, some throwaway line about having it as a pet or something. And then she gets viciously ripped apart and eaten by it. And what's his name? Uh, Ishowell's comment is like, oh, so that's a Bronto rock. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, he says, I believe that's called a Bronto rock. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think in a in a, a scene very reminiscent to probably like uh, was it Jurassic Park two, yeah, right where they're stay out of the long grass. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. that's right? true. Where where they get surrounded by a, uh, I guess what you call a, a pack, pack of gr- of Brontorox. <laughs> oh my god! And, and the implication is that the entire the entire set of people that were on that rocket ship are viciously uh, killed by this pack. Good. So, oh my goodness. Imagine good. they survived though. Cause we no, never got no, the no, 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 no. Stop. No, you I stop. Never, right we there. never got the end. No, stop. Right. Stop ruining it. We'll stop ruining know. it. No, stop ruining it. <laughs> I think anyway, the guilty anyway. pleasure is, is knowing that they all, they yeah, all, uh, they all, you know, die. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it's sad, but you know what? The, the the actions of this group of people was beyond the pale, right? Yeah. So um, beyond heinous. So humanity is basically extinct at this point, right? Yeah. Except, Except. 
Except, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Because at the if you, and I, I'm telling you, people, if you're gonna watch the movie, stay to the end cr- after the credits. This is literally an end credit scene. Yeah, it has two end credits. The variant. No, well, one no, one is in the in the mid credits. This one is completely end credit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I meant. Like post yeah, yeah, credits yeah. or post film scenes whatever right exactly so um we discover that back on earth um and and it's funny because that scene kind of encapsulates encapsulates everything about the movie and everything wrong about our society right now right because emerging from the bunker Still waiting for his mom to come back. The, the first thing he says. Yeah, he's like, Mom? Mom, where are you? <laughs> is uh, is Jonah what Hill's is this, character. What's his name? What, J- what? Jason, Jason Orlean. Jason Orlean. Oh, Jesus he comes out of the Christ. bunker miraculously. I guess that bunker was probably the safest place on the planet. I don't, no, right? no, 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 no. I think the implication is still that he didn't even move a muscle. I know he that's what I'm get, saying. No, he didn't go into a bunker. He was still no, in the NASA site. Uh, I know, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm uh, saying that was kind of like a bunker that, because it protected yeah. him. He, okay, well, yeah. He's, that's that's what I'm saying. He was still waiting in the exact same place <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of the movie. He never left, <laughs> waiting for his mom to come back. And even even no. there was a point. <clears throat> there was a point during the movie where the president called Doctor Mendy and said, "Listen." There's two spots left for you if you want them. And he was like, well, no, that's okay. You know, maybe you should hold it for you and Jason. And she's like, Jason? Jason? <laughs> and then she realizes she left them there. And he's like, she's like, oh, crap. But still leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You know? It's horrible. But so Jason, however, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he survives because... He never leaves the place that he was. We saw him last. Out of all right? people, <laughs> so that's why I say people. it's it's kind of like a bunker because that's the only place apparently that survived, right? And what's worse is that he pulls out the um <laughs> the the bash life phone. Oh my god! And what is it? What does Jeez. he say? Yo. Looks like I'm the only person left alive, y'all. Hashtag <laughs> don't look up or whatever. Whatever he says, yeah. like. Dude, you just literally said, yeah, you just literally said you're the last person left. (laughs) Who are you live streaming to? (laughs) It's horrible, bro. I don't don't even know. He's taking selfies. That right there is the actual cringiest moment in the movie. Yeah. That that, takes the crown. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's a good kind of cringe that's tragic. Oh my god! It, it is. It it's is like it has so many layers to it, <laughs> and and like I said, it, it's it's basically here he is at the end of the world, the only person left, and he's he's worried about selfies and and Instagram live posts and stuff like that. You know, it, it's dude, really, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it, it really, really is. So, um, but that but that's the movie, and and like I said, I think. 
I think the critics got it wrong this time. Yeah, I, I really do. Sorry, because um, oh, and, and we forget Kid Cootie. Oh, Kid, Kid Cuddy, Kid Cuddy yeah. in the film, right? Along with Ariana Grande, 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 yeah. So I mean, look up the look up song. Oh my oh, god. No. Oh, did we forget the other did we that forget the other oh. uh cameo appearance? Oh. Total destruction. Oh, Chris Evans. <laughs> oh, oh my god. They made a movie on it. That's so stupid. A movie that was supposed to come out the day of impact. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> That, that's that's the that's the ridiculousness about it. We made a movie about the end of the world, and we're going to release it when at the end of the world. Oh my god! So, so I mean, there, there were there was it was just ridiculousness all over. But I again, I, I happen to think that the critics really got it wrong here because I think their their focus here is. The heavy-handedness of of the of of the message, uh, what they deemed that wasn't comedic and stuff like that, but you're missing the the message of the movie, which is, you know what, guys, we really are in a bad place right now with all the stuff that's going on, and you're kind of missing the point. You're you're being distracted by all this misinformation and you know all the celebrity stuff and and the social media things and things like that. You really need to pay attention. And I think that's really the point of this film is that we are we are at what people call an inflection point in our society. You know, um, we just recently had the cop. I think the cop 23 uh, global global conference. Right. Yeah, Where you had over right. over 200 countries get together to talk about climate change. And what was what was the outcome of that that conference? Is that you know what? We'll see you next year. Nothing came out of that, and I I think that's that. And if you look at it across the board, scientists are really gravitating toward this film because it really speaks to them and the struggles that they have getting their message out. Mm. And kind of trying to impart to a lot of people the importance of their messages whether it be covid whether it be climate change you know any any whether the next pandemic that's coming you know they're war- they've been warning about this they warned about covid before covid happened mm-hmm. but because there's there's a, a lot of people that it doesn't um fit into their schedules right it's inconvenient for them to talk about it they brush it aside and messaging is important here and the message that you're putting out is contrary to what the reality really is so i i think in that aspect i think the critics are getting this movie wrong and i do agree with um neil degrasse tyson that this film really felt more like a documentary as opposed to a satire, because like Eli said, a lot you can go point by point. I mean, the don't look up campaign, right? Yeah. You you can change that up and say COVID is a hoax, right? 
the political rallies, they had snippets of people going around saying, well, you know what? You can't take away my freedoms. You know what? They're saying that the comments coming. What's the next thing? They're going to take away my guns. And then even Ron Perlman's character at the very end of the movie, what does he do? You, you He's clearly a gun fanatic. He's shooting at the comet with his guns. Oh, my God. I, I don't think people really truly understand, you know, the gravity of, of what the message is supposed to be. And again, I, I really do feel like the critics are missing the point on this, you know. Um, nah, what, just, I mean, I get, what do you guys think? I think it honestly needed to be heavy handed because that's all people have been doing, dancing around it. Oh, this is too politicized now. No, it's not. It's not so much a matter of politicization as a matter of you need to look at this issue and do something about it. Right. <laughs> It's funny to me because the critics literally reflect the entire theme of the movie. <laughs> You're just ignoring what the message is. Oh my god! But whatever, whatever. And, and I think I think that's also part of the thing because the movie is highly critical, not only about politicians but about the media in general. You know, kind of kind of playing along with the politicians, right? In, in messaging this stuff. I mean, that yeah. the perfect example is the Daily Rip, right? Yeah. And, and well, not even that. Like the the whole uh, New York Times-esque organization that put them in touch with the Daily Rip. Right, they exactly. were like, oh, well, this clearly, this story clearly isn't going anywhere, so it's not worth our time. Mm -hmm. So you can just go screw off, basically. Yeah, so you know, the, this movie really takes aim at a lot of different organizations and and entities and whatnot. It's not just the politicians that it's taking. It's going after social media types. It's going after celebrity culture. It's going after you know um, social media. It's going after you know. There, there's a lot of things that that it's going after. You know, at people who are deniers. You know, and spread those misinformations. And things of that nature. So, you know, it, it goes after a lot of things and maybe it makes people uncomfortable. Oh, that's the whole point. But I think, yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. You have to have uncomfortable. You have to be uncomfortable in talking about these things because, you know, if you're looking for comfort, it may never come, you know. And I think that was the point. And I think that's the reason why he chose the comet as a symbolic um, metaphor for climate change, the pandemic, because th those things are really abstract. But when you look at a comet, it's there and it's in your face. And, you know, you can try ignore it as much as you can, but at the end of the day, it's there, you know, and that's a literal representation of everything that's going on now, right? So, um, exactly. yeah, I, th I think that's, that's my take on, on don't look up, you know? Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll say it again. I really feel that the critics got it wrong. Critics, you know? Critics can't handle the politics. It's too much for them. Yeah. 
Um, you guys got any last things to say about Don't Look Up? Anything that we missed? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that went on in that movie. <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus, the Look Up song. I'm gonna end it. Oh yes, the the whole concert at the very end, <laughs> the end of the world concert. The lyrics: You're all gonna die, so <laughs> look up and stop denying it. Or, I don't know the lyrics of the song. I completely butchered it. It sounded much better in the no, film. Yeah. For, Everyone's for like, I'm not even gonna lie. I will give Ariana Grande the credit there. That was actually not her. That was that was actually well written. I guess you could Kid say. Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi, being the guy. Well written and well performed. I will give you that. So kudos. look up what he's really trying to say is get your head out of your a. <laughs> Listen to the goddamn quali- qualified scientists. We really effed it up. We effed it up this time it's so close i can feel the heat big time and you can act like everything is all right but this is probably happening in real time celebrate or cry or pray whatever it takes to get you through this mess we made because tomorrow may never come wow look at the look at the next wait, wait. it gets better yeah i know that's what i'm saying just look up turn off that sh- shite Fox News, because you're about to die soon, everybody. Oh, I, oh, I, look up. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm so glad I'm here with you forever in your arms. It's right above you. Don't wait no more. Just look up. <laughs> so, those are, those are, those are the, uh, the lyrics to... It's facts. It's fact. Aria, Ariana Grande's song. Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi. Yeah, Kid Cudi does a a rap interlude in that. <laughs> you know. So well, I mean, it it is a mirror, I guess. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's a mirror of what's going on right now. A documentary. Jesus Christ, we're yeah. all that's documentary. Perfect. That's perfect. I know. Right? That's exactly my point. Um. Yeah, but it it is what it is. This is the new idiocracy. Yes, because uh, that movie was was made what twenty years ago, and it was kind of prophetic um, and stuff. It had what uh, Terry Crews as as the president. Oh, is that the Hector, Hector Camacho, whatever his name was? Oh my, that's the one with like the smartest man alive, so called. Yeah, it's like and everybody <laughs> everybody is stupid. stupid. Yeah. You know, uh, but I think this one is more more on point than that yeah. film. You know, I mean, it's but literally there. Is nobody gonna talk about how the general charged them ten dollars for <laughs> oh, each? Oh, don't do snacks? that again! <laughs> oh my god, it's so insane. <laughs> that <White> was like, <laughs> I think that's that's kind of again. You know, he's he, it, it feels like a throwaway thing, but that has a point to it because, again, yeah. it's kind of like the one percent taking taking advantage of everybody else. Right. Yeah. So so Jeez. set the scene They're They're waiting to see the president to talk about the discovery for the first time. Yeah. And there is a general there. Right. Yeah. From the Pentagon who's going to go in with them. And eventually he has to leave. But they're they're waiting so long because. You know, they have the scandal going on. And even though she knows that they're there to talk about a planet killer, she still refuses to see them until the next day, right? Yeah. So in the interim, the general 
they're waiting for how many hours and they were like, you know what? I'm going to go get something to eat. You know, mm-hmm. I'll bring something back. Right. So what does he do? So, so he's like, uh, he comes back and he's like it's chips the, and water, right? Yeah. It's, it's like goldfish and water. And then he's like, they caught, co- it costs like an arm and a leg for this for a piece. And it's like, ten dollars for each goldfish snack mm-hmm. and it's insane and right they yeah, obviously a have full to... 20 out of it yeah mm-hmm. and oh my no he got a 30 he got 40 no 40 because, because remember the the other guy gives him a 20 is like do you have change wow right? wow and bro. he's like you know i can ask the marine and he was like nah forget it oh my you god know? that is horrible and then later on um DB ASCII, DB ASCII. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. her only uh second uh second only to the uh the actual meteor itself. This is like the only thing that's on her mind this entire time. <laughs> I know, but that's <laughs> and she's so like insane. just completely over and over again trying to dissect that interaction. Oh Why God. did he actually try to make us pay well i successfully make us pay for snacks that they later found out were actually free it's the white house (laughs) yeah like she goes to the kitchen and and takes out the exact same thing right the goldfish in the water and there's somebody sitting there and she's like well where do i pay for this and she's like what are you talking about it's free she was like it's free he's like yeah it's the white house yeah (laughs) You know, oh she's like, "What, <laughs> bro? That is the biggest con ever, bro. That is insane." But but again, you know, Adam McKay trying to make the the point, um, point you know, that yeah, the one percent is really getting over at this point. Everybody else, like you know, they're they're fleecing you dry. Yeah. You know, I think that's the point he was trying to make. But it's funny because he did it in such a such a, a crazy way, right? Yeah. Oh my God, it's horrible. Jesus. All right. Well, um, is there anything else that we we missed? Um, well, I'm pretty sure there's some stuff, but it because it's so packed. we covered the vast majority of yeah. it. Yeah, it's so yeah. packed with like crazy stuff. It's I insane. Uh, there's there's so much there, but. It is what it is. So, you know, um, I, I highly recommend people watch it, you know, and, and really keep an, an open mind when you're watching it, you know, and, and really try and absorb the message because I think the message is important. You know, I think the message is, you know, we really we really have to wake up. And it, it's kind of appropriate because, you know, the, the title is Don't Look Up, Right. And the point is, we really should be, you know. Um, hashtag look up. Yeah, hashtag look up. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, do we want to do ratings or we just want to say it's a good film? It's a good think, film. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good, it's film. A good film. Yeah, just go, just go watch it, people. You know? 100%, 100%. Yeah. And, and listen, we're not the only ones because apparently everybody's watching this film. Yeah. You know, so hopefully, hopefully it, 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 at least starts a discussion, you know. Uh, it's probably not going to spur real change because uh, it just feels like nothing is going to happen. Yeah, but it is what it is. All right. Um, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you had fun listening to our dissection of Don't Look Up. And 
you've probably seen it already, but if you haven't, please go check it out. It's on Netflix, and uh, it's on, like, the top five, top three lists of over 200 countries right now, I believe, or or something like that. It's some insane thing, but it's it's really blowing up, so go check it out. Um, and on that note, we're, I guess we're going to call it. My name is Walt. This is... Diablo Pablo AJ. This is the Godfather. And may our comets cross again? What? <laughs> well, that's actually a good thing because if two comets intersected with each other in deep space and not near Earth, they would take each other out and thereby avoid any kind of cataclysm on Earth. So but, that actually works. Okay, so, but it's our comet, so technically if it's in. No. Why would we have comets in our possession? No. I don't, it, it, I don't I'm know. telling you, it worked. May our Earths cross again. That's worse! What? May our comets and Earths cross again. Yes. No, no, may our comets... an extinction level yeah, event. that's an extinction level Doesn't work. Oh, God. May our cows with pikes cross again. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. May our comets cross again. That actually works. Yes, yes, it does. I'll buy that. The All Godfather. Right. Later, people. <laughs>